Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. This week on the podcast, Ren will walk us through the best practices for writing agile features. There's a good bit of confusion about the differences between features, user stories, and even epics. That confusion is likely because these terms are so often used interchangeably or just incorrectly. So to set us all straight and enlighten us further about this is our very own Ren Melberg. So Ren, help us understand what a feature in Agile is. So you kind of mentioned it in, in that your introduction, right, that this is a loaded term. Okay. And what I mean by that is it has a lot of different definitions. And this is an area in Agile where we've been trying to create a consistent definition. And because Agile is so focused on the end user experience, mm-hmm. most of the Agile methodologies define it a feature in terms that a customer would define a feature. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where so often, especially in the software world, we have a tendency to call every bit of an attribute, a piece of functionality, a capability, we have a tendency to call all those things features. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, an end user, one, would never actually purchase that. Mm-hmm. And you know that level, an at- you know a software attribute or you know a, a technical component, they would never even be aware that it exists, mm-hmm. right? Right. But a feature from a user experience is an extra thing that they can do, and it's often a differentiator. Mm-hmm. So why they would pick your product over someone else's it is a good way to think of it, and. When we have organizations uh, that define features well, mm-hmm. what you actually see is a feature defined from concept to cash, as we like to say, which is that customer experience, defined consistently all the way through the system or the value stream. Mm-hmm. And I worked with my clients where we literally would write a feature that would we give to our technology organization to execute. Mm-hmm. And we would use that same feature definition to show a customer or potential customer. Hmm. And if you are really good at writing features, you should be able to do that. And hmm. the other thing is, you're actually going to probably, and this is one of the reasons we love Agile, right? What it teaches us is you'll get a better result. When yeah. you have something, right, that that has that end user focus, that's really thinking about the user experience, it to the degree you can actually say, "Hey, customers, you buy this feature," um, talk, you know, mm-hmm. and your acceptance criteria is expressed in terms of what they would want to see from that, mm-hmm. and the benefits are defined that way. When we then execute that feature, we actually deliver a better product for the customer. So the the expression that you mentioned from concept to cash, that's where that really gets captured. Right. And that's a pretty common value stream definition, concept to cash. And mm-hmm. features should fit in that same sort of thought process and are usually delivered at a value stream, sometimes referred to as a program mm-hmm. or in safe and agile release stream mm-hmm. level. 
um, where it's expressed all the way through the system. And you have a, the, a consistent understanding and a consistent execution and a consistent value proposition, and that's what it comes from the value stream uh, part of. So Agile, we get, we often use value stream from Lean, mm-hmm. so that's where right. I'm borrowing from. <laughs> so right. the value proposition is consistent um, and, and all the way through. Okay, so here's another term that uh, seems to be also used or misused, and that's and that's epics. Are mm-hmm. are epics and features are those the same thing? Yes and no. <laughs> so that and, and let me explain. So an epic is supposed. Epics are epic. It is supposed to be your highest level of planning your work. Okay. Sometimes organizations, their highest level of planning work is a feature. Okay. So then your epic and your feature may be the same thing. I usually coach my clients to not um, call them the same thing. If your higher level of planning is a feature, then it's a feature. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't call it an epic because your point that confuses people. We use epics. Um, a lot in organizations that have multiple products. And so an epic will be something, uh, multiple features that you're delivering for a single product. Another way that can be helpful to think about it, mm-hmm. and remember time boxing is, is hugely important in Agile, right? Right. So one of the things, another way, way to think about it is a feature is something that an agile team, one team, can work on or deliver uh, between two weeks and three months. So a feature is larger than two weeks, smaller than three months. Mm-hmm. An epic, if you have, you know, planning larger than a feature, an epic then is larger than three months but smaller than a year. Okay. So there's a couple of different ways of looking at it, right? In in terms of um, if you you know bundling your features to deliver mm-hmm. for a single product or for a group of products, but you can also apply some time rules. Okay. To it as well. Okay. So uh, finally, if if that weren't uh, <laughs> enough, um, what's the difference between a feature and a user story? Good question. And this is one of the areas where it can get confusing if we're doing this purely uh, in terms of what a customer would consider a feature, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes a feature requires so little work from us, we can deliver it in one or a handful of user stories. Right. I agree. Uh, that can sometimes <laughs> be very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that we try to do is, again, using a time box definition um, to help, especially in, in scaled um, agile organizations, mm-hmm. is a user story, again, by one agile team can be completed in a day, but less than two weeks. Okay. A feature, remember, is greater than two weeks. And that two weeks, because that's a uh, typical sprint length. Mm-hmm. In a user story in Agile, doesn't matter what part of Agile we're talking about, a user story has to be able to be completed to be, you know, in, in two weeks. 
okay. and daily less than two weeks, right? Because <laughs> you don't okay. want to work on just one user story in your sprint, and you're not really delivering a lot. Right. You're That's also right. introducing a lot of risk to your sprint plan that you might not make your plan. Um, but, you know, so that's, that's part of the delineation. Sometimes we will take, uh, you know, uh, one user story because it can deliver a feature from a customer's perspective all by itself. And uh, some organizations and there's some models of Agile that will still call that a feature because mm-hmm. we're defining a feature purely from a user standpoint. Mm-hmm. But then again, in some forms like Safe, a feature has a time box definition as well. It has to be both. Okay. And so if it's on a user, it's a, it's a, it is a feature, but it's delivered in a single user story. We'll still cast that as a user story in, in Safe. Okay. So, so it's a, you kind of have to look at your model for some delineation. Yeah. And go, okay, what are we doing here? Is this bad? Is this safe? Is this, you know, scaly? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Right? When you have a, a user story, and most of the time, they're rare, by the way, that you can do one user story and deliver a feature. Mm, okay. From a user perspective, that's rare. But when you run into it, you want to look at the guidance from your particular model that you're working with. Okay. Well, fair enough. So where then in the process does defining the feature occur? Is it before or after the user stories? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. That clears like, it right up. I when I kill you. <laughs> so, this, is, this is part of the, the love-hate relationship we sometimes have with Agile, right? Because right. Agile isn't top-down or bottoms-up. It's both. Okay. So sometimes we can be looking at our, our software. Let's just mm-hmm. stick with software. And we can say, you know what, if we do these five user stories, adding these together is going to give us this user-defined feature. Okay, that makes sense. And we want that. Other times we have top-down. Our product managers, management has said, we we want this user-defined feature. And Mm -hmm. here, now break it down into user stories and, and, and deliver it. And part of being an agile leader is allowing for both of those options all the time. Okay. And, it, and it's not easy, right? Right, yeah. Um, but you can see the value because we have, there's a laundry list, right, of um, products and capabilities that have come from our, our agile teams that have bubbled up. Mm-hmm. Not all great ideas come from the top. Boy, isn't that the truth? But it, right. But it seems like you know, um, and this is a little off topic, but um, it seems like those are the ones that get acted on, the ones from the top. Is that a lot of times they are, and that, and this is one of the things that some of the models uh, safe. Um, in others, you know, dad, for example, are really flat. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we look at uh, their models, they're expressed in 2D, and so it looks very top to bottom, you know, heavy and everything. But when we implement them, they should be pretty flat. Okay. 
in your organization. And it's really a focus on a particular, what your role in the system is, less about a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when you think about it in those terms, the role of a product manager is to be constantly engaged with the market, with uh, sales, uh, with the customer often directly and getting that feedback and that information and then um, cascading and communicating that to the Agile team. That's why we see them so often delivering these features because it's their job to constantly be on the, out, the lookout for what's next, what's next, what's next. Okay. Well, good. I, like I say, a little off the track, but... Um... <laughs> Let's talk. I, but I think it's an, and it's an important point, so I'm glad you brought it up. Well, okay. Well, that makes me feel good. So features then, it sounds like perhaps are, I don't know, a more macro overview of several user stories, or is that not correct? Um, they can be. Um, like you mentioned before, sometimes we'll bundle user stories to express value. Um, often the user stories are actually a decomposition of the feature. Okay. Um, it, but the goal, no matter what, is that those user stories, when they're complete, uh, complete that feature mm-hmm. and are delivering whatever the benefits of that feature were supposed to derive. Okay. So there, okay. there's, it, it needs to be a tightly woven synergistic relationship mm-hmm. between user stories and features. Okay. And along those lines, is a feature just a bunch or a, a collection of user stories? It, they should not be. We have exceptions, right? Okay. Sure. Sometimes in organizations, um, we need to bundle our work and we have a bunch of like, user stories that have to get done. And we don't have a logical grouping. Mm -hmm. And so we create this sort of hodgepodge feature. Those we try not to do, no matter, again, no matter what scaled agile model you're looking at, we try not to do that because it really makes it very hard to one, define the benefits of that feature and second, validate the benefits of that feature. Right, right. Um, so, it, 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 you know, we lose some of that really important end-user-centric governance um, when we have kind of just a hodgepodge of user stories bundled under a feature. Okay. Um, and, and, and so it winds up causing confusion, mm-hmm. often at multiple levels. Uh, so... That's something that, you know, I really help coach my clients to avoid. Again, it's not always avoidable. Uh, and, mm. and so sometimes we have to do that. And then when we do, it's important to be very transparent um, and reset people's expectations about that particular feature. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and to say, hey, this does not fit into our normal feature definition. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a defined business value or it doesn't have a defined user impact you know, and user value. Uh, and, and this is an exception and this is why. Okay. Okay. So Otherwise, you, people are going to have different expectations of, of what it should be. And every step of the way, you're going to have confusion. Okay. Well, that makes sense. 
So, mm-hmm. and then how is it then that developers, you know, they so often mix the terms or they use them interchangeably or they use them incorrectly? It seems, I mean, it's confusing. It's very confusing. Um, most of the, like I said before, you know, they, they'll refer to software capabilities or functionality within the system, attributes of the system as features. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's more. <laughs> so I'm just giving you kind of the top three. Right. Um, p- part of it is, um, I think, indicative of the English language. It is a hodgepodge of other languages loosely knitted together. Okay, and yep. therefore, we have a tendency to be a little sloppy um, in our language choices. Uh, there's also a long history going back into the traditional waterfall world of expressing uh, technology work in terms of feature to elevate its uh, visibility and its value in the organization. So if I call this attribute of feature, then people will appreciate it more. Okay. Okay. And that connection, because it's so old, has gotten lost. And so people don't always know that that's actually what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the cultural zeitgeist that's developed. It's really important for uh, scrum masters and the product owner uh, to try and be a little purist about that word. Uh, and again, not to just be, you know, hardhead about it and be prescriptive, but really it's about making sure we are using a consistent definition of one of the most important things that we deliver, one of the most important backlog items, right? Right. And when we have a consistent definition, when we say feature and everybody understands this is what a feature means, we reduce confusion and we right. reduce waste, in a system. Yes. The more we have to go over, this is what we mean by feature in this particular conversation and context, that's just waste. And people get exhausted and I get frustrated and they hate it. So, you know, that's why I coach uh, my clients. There are certain words when you're talking about agile, you're kind of going to want to be a little purist about. And it's not to be dictatorial. Mm-hmm. It's actually to reduce confusion in ways. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, it's like you say, there's uh, there's a lot to be said for being consistent in how you use those terms. So, yeah, I, I, I totally get it. And now I've also read that for developing features, that they are often written as a shall statement. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying... Um, send out all of the newsletters, the feature is written would state, the system shall send out all of the newsletters. So is that the right or correct way to write a feature? Right. And here we went into another thing. So in the Agile community, we're all pretty consistent about how we write user stories now. Oh, right, yes. Even though the Scrum Alliance isn't prescriptive about user stories, they openly acknowledge that they use the Scrum XP definition of a user story and we, and they use the, um, uh, you know, as a blank, I want blank so that I can blank 
definition mm-hmm. statement and all that right features were nowhere near that level of consistency. <laughs> Yeah. Nowhere near. So there are some models that actually use the user statement. Why? Because there is a consistent understanding that a feature should be understood by the end user, and mm-hmm. the end user can see themselves in that feature and decide whether or not that's something that's important to them, right? Uh, okay. So using me as a blank, right? right. They should be the blank. They <laughs> should be the end user. And so, yeah, I want that, and that's exactly why I want it, right? Right. There are some who do the shell statement, right? Okay, There are some that don't even have a feature description, just have the title, the name of the feature, and go right into the benefits and the acceptance criteria. Okay. You're like, Rin, what the hell? And you're absolutely right. We have no consistency in the Agile community about how we write features. Mm-hmm. We have consistency, like I said, in how we define the feature. Mm-hmm. Right? And right. end users that see the, that see the value, tangible value and of that feature and say, yes, I want that, or no, I don't. Right? Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> right. Um, but how we write and express it, no consistency. So usually what I, what I do is I work within whatever model, uh, scaled agile model, because typically what I'm working with uh, these days, mm-hmm. whatever that model prescribes or recommends. Okay. Um, so there is one, you know, some say shell, some, like I said, have the user experience. Some don't even have a description for their feature at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sometimes will use tools from the other to, to help them. So, for instance, I had a client recently, all their features, and I use the term very loosely, feature, mm-hmm. and you're going to see why, were written in terms of the technology component. An end user doesn't buy the technology component. That's right. Right? And so to get them out of thinking about writing a feature purely in terms of what the application has to do, this very narrow application, and they actually had to, you have to then knit together all these different component features to deliver any business value to the customer. Which was a nightmare to to manage, too. All those dependencies. uh, Mm -hmm. Holy crap. Horrible. But to get them thinking not in terms of the technology and what the technology has to do, but what the user experience is, I had them use the user story description. So as a end user, I want so that I can. And it really does help when you're in those kind of situations to get them thinking about what the real business feature is versus what we're really technical capabilities or attributes okay, or components. So sometimes, we, you know, as consultants and coaches, we have to be a little creative with our mm-hmm. clients when it comes to features and how they're actually written mm-hmm. and figure out how to get the, the client really expressing the feature in this true a customer would say, I recognize that as a feature and I, I want that or I don't want that. Okay. Well, that's that's good coaching. So then what's the benefit to the Agile team or what benefit is there 
to writing a feature using the shall method that we just talked about? Well, the in, intention there again it, it is really um, trying trying to see it in terms of what the the, the value that we're trying to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I've that particular model, the shell shell model. Um, mm-hmm. The word shell is old English, and it doesn't really resonate with people. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times, and sometimes when I'm in a room teaching feature writing, especially to technologists and engineers, you can hear their eyes rolling every time <laughs> someone says, shell, right? And it's like, I, I, I understand. Um, so, you know, it, it's really, I think, an attempt, like I said, to to... Try and turn this away from the how, the technology solution, and mm-hmm. focus the work on what I like to say is the the what, why, and the what. Okay. So why are we doing this and what are we doing? And the shell statement is supposed to be an expression of what are we doing? What is this feature doing? What is this feature about? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and again, organization things on the word shall in a negative way. Change it to will. Because that's what that means. <laughs> okay, well that <laughs> the system will right yeah. send out all the newsletters. That's yeah. really what shout means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't now get that hung you up on my word. Right? <laughs> yeah, because now that you point that out, it is kind of a you don't hear shall. Um, you don't hear it every day. Right. I mean, weird. one of the funniest so. I, I was teaching the shell method, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the developers, really funny guy, started just incorporating other old English <laughs> into the conversation. <laughs> A lot of these and so buys. Exactly. Uh, He's like, Madam Rin, how would thou <laughs> recommend? <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, I, of course you have to laugh. You're absolutely, he's sure. absolutely right. And, uh, I just, I just remember saying to him, you're lucky that in Agile, not only do we have permission to have fun with our work, we're encouraged. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> that is pretty funny. It's like, um, terms from the King James Bible for writing features. So, yeah. Right. I, that is yeah. pretty funny. And one of his other statements that I'll never forget is to go, so what I hear you saying is that shall not conflate user stories and features. <laughs> thou shall right. not. Thou shall not. <laughs> okay. You're absolutely right. And get thou you with your We now that you understand the model, we can change the word to will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's much better. Um Certainly, uh, a lot more contemporary. Yeah. Okay. So, best practices is the best practice for writing features. Are they those where the focus is on who or what the feature is for? Absolutely. The why. Okay. 
you know, and this is this is one of the distinguishing characteristics, right, of agile and how we work in agile, is that why is so important, and I can't tell you how transformative understanding why has been so many times at a user story level, at a feature level, at, a, at an epic level, even for organizations at a strategic theme level, understanding why often changes the design and and therefore has a huge impact on what is delivered and how it's delivered, you know, and, and the quality of what you get. And, and so understanding why we're doing it, who, who, the, who it is, how they're going to use it, all of that has a huge impact on what we design and how we design it and what we, we ultimately deliver. And I know it's hard for people whenever they're going from a traditional waterfall to get to understanding it's just enough. More details actually do not add value, they subtract value. The more details you you provide, you're often then um, narrowing what the solution options are. Mm-hmm. If you provide just enough, what you're allowing your Agile team or your Agile teams to do is use their intelligence, use their experience, use their knowledge of the system and the products and other features that are in place to give you the best solution available. Mm-hmm. Uh, overloading details um, actually slows down the entire process. That's another part. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes causes confusion, but it always narrows the solution. Okay. And that's not something we ever want to do, Mm-mm. right? Um, and, and so that's really important and it's hard. And so one of the things I work with, with my clients to do is to stay lean and mean, <laughs> really lean. Mm-hmm. On your features, like I said, we want a title, we want a brief description. Most of the time, I only give them like 40 words to describe huh. what the feature is. What are the benefits? And what's the exceptions criteria? And you're done. And, you know, sometimes if you mock up some stuff, you know, we like if you're trying to compete against someone else's existing feature, mm-hmm. you know, you might have mock ups. We're going to put that in attachments and notes, but we don't want that to drive the solution. Okay. It should be reference uh, only. So, and just enough is hard to find. Just enough is the, whoever's writing a feature, usually like a product manager, for example, Mm -hmm. will write features. Um, You want to work with your agile teams to figure out what just enough is. Yeah. Yeah, and I know what you're saying about the more details, the more confusing. Um, you know, brevity is the soul of wit, and it also sounds like it's the the way to write a, a good feature in Agile. Right. So, knowing all of this now, tell us what is feature-driven development? So, um, this is a big thing in scaled Agile. Right, mm-hmm. because we were talking about needing more than a sprint and or more than one agile team mm-hmm. to deliver a feature. Okay. And so what we're saying is then we're going to bundle and prioritize and even fund our work at a feature level. Mm-hmm. And that's what we mean by that. 
So it's really saying all the planning, the prioritization uh, is really driven at this feature level. Mm -hmm. Our governance gets attached to the feature level often as well. So that's what I mean about, you know, so compliance, security, instead of being uh, driven down to the user story, we're going to look at that as a bigger picture at the feature level. Mm-hmm. And the funding and the budgeting is, is at that level as well. Okay. Um, and it all it helps larger organizations really then use different tools. Um, from lean, uh, we we've learned the way to charge job first mm-hmm. as a way to incorporate the cost of delay right. uh, to help prioritize our features a feature backlog, um, and then drive what what the Agile teams are going to be working on next. Okay. Okay. Now, and I think I already know the answer, but are there advantages to feature-driven development that we should, that we should all be aware of? And what's the best way to realize those advantages? Right. So, uh, again, we have a couple of different um, scaled agile models. Mm-hmm. And when I say agile, I mean lean, scaled mm-hmm. lean in the material. Um, probably one of the, the best known is, of course, the scaled agile framework or SAFE. Right. All of them um, have ways to help you really take advantage of the feature driven development. Um, so, I mentioned prioritizing at a feature level. Mm-hmm. A lot easier than trying to prioritize a bunch of user stories, especially when you're scaled, because you're talking about, say, on average, 10 to a dozen features, uh-huh. and that represents hundreds of user stories. What do oh, you want wow. to prioritize? 12 or a couple hundred? Yeah. Everybody's going to say 12. <laughs> that's just, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's a lot easier to do. The other thing is it really helps a lot with your architecture. Mm-hmm. Your architects are looking at 12 features. They're looking at, they can look at a longer architectural runway. Um, and the same thing from the business when we're looking at sales and marketing and compliance, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier for them to look at these features and put inputs into that feature than to try and drive it at a user story level. Um, so really having a nice feature management, often we refer to that as program, agile program management. Mm-hmm. That's where that happens. Um, really, really helps you scale um, and keep that going. That's also the organizations I mentioned earlier. Organizations who really master feature-driven development, mm-hmm. they have the same feature expressed all the way through their organization. I can actually send, show this to my customer. My customer knows what this feature is. Uh-huh. They can tell me whether they want this or not and validate it, right? Right. right? And then I can execute that feature all the way through my system. So that's the ultimate expression of feature-driven development is that it, we are delivering features all the way through Mm-hmm. We fine tune and optimize the system to deliver the greatest number of features we can. Okay. Okay. So, our width limits are at the feature level, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything. It, 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 especially in larger organizations, and organizations have multiple projects or mm-hmm. sorry products. 
It's yes. easier to prioritize across multiple lines of business or multiple product lines at a feature level than at that epic or strategic theme level. That's really hard to do. Yeah. Way. <laughs> um, and when you've got, how do you prioritize hundreds and thousands of user stories? That's just, uh, you know, <laughs> you can't even think of it, right? It's just inconceivable. Yeah. Um, so the, the feature provides a really nice, again, it's the smallest level in which you can get the maximum benefit. Least amount of work, maximum benefit. Boy. And, Everybody likes that uh, that combination, and right. you know we learn this week from Ren that indeed words matter, and that the appropriate use of terms in the agile development process is really important to derive the most good in the least amount of time. Now, to read more about this and other topics in the agile. Scrum Safe Universe, visit Ren's website at www.renmelberg.com. And be sure and come back next week for another edition of the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. <laughs>